Welcome back to Would You Gaming. Today I thought we might take this opportunity to discuss Ska Studios Salt and Sacrifice, the sequel to their original title Salt and Sanctuary, a title that takes heavy influences from the Dark Souls series and from software as a whole. I wanted to give my thoughts on this as somebody who loved the first game and I tend to like the second one, spoiler. It is good overall, but I figured we could give first impressions and help anybody who might be on the fence to make an informed decision about the game. It's not overly expensive at only $20, but I thought nonetheless we could go over that and discuss what I think of the game so far, some of the features added that I might like, and others that I might not be so high on. But first and foremost, if you're new here, make sure you follow us on one of our social platforms, Would You Gaming, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as TikTok. Appreciate all the support we get here. People who have stuck with us throughout, anybody new listening, thank you for taking the time to check us out here. Hopefully you enjoy the experience, but let's dive right into things. So Salt and Sanctuary is a game that I look back on fondly. It was the first time I'd ever played a 2D Souls-like game that was fully co-op, because as we know in the Souls titles, you typically can do co-op, but it is usually very limited to specific areas or bosses. There might be full areas that you have to go through alone that you cannot have a partner on or assistance on. And at times that can be quite difficult. I remember in Dark Souls 2, the Rat King boss, or whatever he was titled, was a beast to me. It took me forever to get through that alone. It was the second Souls title I had played after Bloodborne. So it wasn't ideal for me. I died and died and died again trying to fight those rats, man. I finally made it past it, but this, with this, you don't have to worry about that. With Salt and Sacrifice, it's fully co-op throughout. Salt and Sanctuary was the same way. You had to get to a specific point and have a specific item, but you could run co-op throughout the whole game from that point on. My friend Philip and I spent many days exploring every inch of the game in Salt and Sanctuary, oftentimes stumbling around in search of the next boss that we needed to face. We even stumbled across the final boss by complete accident after about an hour of searching around endlessly as we had exhausted most of the other bosses in that game. So you can imagine my excitement when Sky Studios announced that they would be working on a sequel, Salt and Sacrifice. I thought, you know, we had the original that was so great, all these features is fully co-op, couch co-op, and online. So what is not to love about a sequel to that where they expound upon it and fine-tune that already fun gameplay loop. Fast forward to May of 2022, and we finally have the game, and I cannot wait to put some more time into it, and eventually complete that. In the sequel, the publisher, Ska, sought to expand upon that already great formula, as I stated, and fine-tune it with an engaging gameplay loop. Salt and Sacrifice and his predecessor proudly pay homage to the Dark Souls game, which clearly the developers loved. Everything from the hard-as-nails bosses to the shortcuts that lead you back to areas that you've previously been to are elements you come to expect from a From Software title. There are enemies early on that are way beyond your skill level. We tried to take down one particular knight that was in that area, and despite countless blows from us, we couldn't do anything against it. It hit us twice each and killed us. So that was a clear indicator that this might not be something we want to try to tackle at this point. You have different classes and attributes as you had in the original, 
And as you level up and clear out areas, you of course gain salt. Salt is then used to level up. You then gain these pearls, which can be used in a skill tree type system to upgrade specific things, ranging from your willpower, your uh, dexterity, your strength, intelligence, whatever your weapons or spells scale with. Now, there are many different types of weapons that you can get in this game and classes you can start with that differentiate in different areas. I started with the spell blade, I believe is what it was called. It might be called something different. I can't think. It was the high blade. I started off with the high blade, which is a character that gains access to heavy hammers, as I read, I believe. I haven't gotten any myself. I'm still using the basic sword you start with, and I am upgrading that as we go along, but I do have access to these other heavier hammers as we move along in the game. Farming is just like anything you would expect in a Souls game. Clear out an area and return to the sanctuary. There would be your bonfire, use your salt, which would be the souls. Level up, rinse and repeat until you become powerful enough to take on some of those bosses or just enemies that are quite difficult to deal with at times. And even the most basic enemies can unalive you with the quickness if you're not careful. There are traps galore in this game. If you don't pay attention, you're likely to run across one and be slung back uh, halfway across the screen. It was quite entertaining. We would lose half our health immediately, just be stumbling along there, trigger a trap, and both of us go back flying the way we came from. And we couldn't help but laugh as half our health was gone, and we had to use one of our healing items to actually heal up. Where the game diverts from the tried-and-true formula from its predecessor in the games that inspire the series are mage hunts. In this title, you are tasked with hunting down mages by the Inquisition, I believe they're called, and you have to devour their hearts in different areas, and there are doors which are only able to be opened after you consume a certain number of mage hearts. The mage hunts are a bit different, and you must first locate them to begin the hunt, and there will be an on-screen tail type trail leading you in the direction of the mage the mage will take a couple of hits and leave ads in the area and then move on to the next area you rinse and repeat this until it makes it to the final area where you must finally battle them you knock their health down low enough and then you must go up to them and hit the circle button i don't i think you have to hit it a couple times and at that point you would have consumed their heart I found the mage hunts to be a bit tedious. The mages only take a couple of hits and run away, oftentimes just leaving you to deal with ads more than anything before you get to that final encounter. Half the time when you go to consume the mage's heart, or you need to consume the mage's heart, you're knocked down by one of those such minions that I mentioned. And you might not make it over to the mage in time to consume their heart, so their health will go back up a little bit, and you have to attack them again, knock their health down a little bit more, and to me, it seems like this could be solved by increasing the duration that they are, I guess you would call it stunned, or able to be have their hearts consumed. It was just a little bit frustrating to have this happen a couple of times during our playthrough. Beyond adding mage hunts, they did add crafting in this entry, and, and this was a point of contention with me. The healing items in the original title... Once you died and returned to the sanctuary, they were automatically replenished. So at that point, you can continue forth, go rush back to that boss you were fighting or whatever you wanted to do there, and continue on. And this, once you're out of the consumable items, which are 
to be fair to the developer, fairly common, then you must, you must go out and farm some of these in order to be able to heal it all, a la Bloodborne. So it's very similar to Bloodborne in that way, except you're not farming the blood vials, you're farming the material to craft these healing items. And I wasn't the biggest fan of that. So, and that is something that is not explained at all. We were just in a boss fight. We died several times, went back, and then once we went back that final time, we noticed, hey, why do I only have one healing item? Why do I have no healing items? And we had to figure this out the hard way, and there were there was a one of those mage hunt bosses early on that we just had to suck it up and get better at dodging at to make it through. The way you gain additional healing items also seems to have changed in this game. In the previous title, it was a slot in the skill tree that you, you selected. You used one of your upgrade pearls, as they're called, I believe. And you were able to upgrade to hold an additional flask. I'm just going to call them flask for the sake of argument. And then you could also increase the amount that was healed by that with a different skill branch. Or skill tree, I should say. In this one, you actually have items that are craftable. They're materials you have to collect, which are a little bit rare. As you get them and go back to a certain area, then you are able to immediately just upgrade that to hold one additional of these flasks. Another thing that kind of iffy is the crafting. You gain crafting, you can craft weapons and armor in this game that are better than what you start with. I haven't fully explored that. Looking forward to exploring it to see how deep this system really is. Another thing that was kind of irking though, when this comes to leveling up, you couldn't just go to any sanctuary to do it. You had to go back to the main village and then remember the trek back to a specific area and level up there. Not a huge deal, but to me is is why? Why why wouldn't you just allow leveling up at any of the sanctuaries instead of this to make it simpler for the player? Cuz we stumbled around a good bit trying to find things in this main village. Nothing against it. I'm sure we'll get used to it, but man, it's just it's way different. It is way different than predecessors. Along with the mage hunts, there are of course the traditional bosses that you can fight. We only ran across one of these in our rough eight hours of playtime, though. And the mage hunts seem to take up the majority of the game. As I stated earlier, there are these doors that you cannot make it through unless you have a, a set number of hearts. And they, of course, will have either just completely different areas, secret paths to unlock, or like a boss behind them that might be way beyond your skill level at the time. Like any Souls game, you're going to do your fair share of dying in this game, as we did. And it's a fun experience. I would recommend it. For anybody who was a fan of the original title, another feature that they added that I really, really, really enjoyed, and that was the ability to sprint. Of course, this will consume your stamina, but along with being able to sprint, they added in the ability to do strong attacks, or I should say dash attacks, and half the time these would knock simple enemies back halfway across the screen and I spent a lot of my time just doing this to keep them stunned so they couldn't get an attack in edgewise. That was fun there. 
Of course, like the original title with this, you had the strong attack and the regular attack. And you, of course, can do some combos based on your button inputs like square, 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 triangle will allow you to knock your enemies up in there. And if you hit triangle again, they'll do like a down slam as well. Overall, Salt and Sacrifice is a fun experience with some features that I might not be a huge fan of. Overall, it is a fun game that they have taken their time to make to be an enjoyable experience. You can tell that they are fans of the Soul series just by the fact that, hey, when you go in there, if you die, you drop your salt. You have to go back and pick that up again. One bug that I did notice, I don't know if it was a bug or... We simply forgot to pick up our souls. We were fighting a boss. We fought them continually. And I swore we pick up our souls every time we went in there. But we would go in there and we'd look down at the bottom left corner where our souls would be. And it would be a fracture. We went in there at one point with 4,000. We would kill enemies on the way back over there. And we noticed at one point, hey, why, why do I only have 1,000 souls here? What is going on here? So I don't know if this is a bug that needed to be ironed out. If they designed it in a way where... If you continually die to the same boss, they would cut your souls in half or what? I, only time will tell and continue to play will tell me if this is a feature or if this is a bug that is actually in the game. I wish they would have stuck more to the formula of Salt and Sanctuary as far as the bosses in the open and exploration. The mage hunts are okay and they're a cool little addition, but they get very repetitive after you have done one or two. If you've done one or two, you've done them all. They may look ever so slightly different and they may have different elements, but overall they are very much same-ish. It's not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. I just feel like they could have done more to polish this to make it a better title than it was. I will continue to play it and I will hopefully finish the game at some point. Overall, I'm having a good time with it. I have a good time running around there, having having fun in couch co-op, just beating things down, stunt locking enemies to death, dying repeatedly to bosses. And I couldn't ask, I don't suppose I could ask for more other than just more of the same from the original. And that's the thing that these sequels have to navigate. As a sequel, you have to live up to the expectations of the original while not being a complete copy of it. Otherwise, you're called lazy as a developer. You have to innovate ever so slightly, changing and tweaking in a way that's going to make the community happy. And also, it'll welcome newcomers as well as making sure that you cater to that existing audience that you already had. I will play this game to completion when we have an opportunity. I'm not going to plan to. Pl I'm not planning to play it solo just because I have fun couch co-op and we're always looking for a good couch co-op game being that nowadays a lot of stuff is online only multiplayer and we both live in areas that there's not yet high speed internet at the point when that becomes a feature I imagine we're going to delve into a lot more games I would love to go back to Call of Duty Modern Warfare for instance and play those special ops because looking back at the special ops on Xbox 360 those were some of the most fun times we've had in a long time. Just the juggernaut hunts in general. Couch co-op and physical forever if you ask me. But I am just an old man sitting here ranting about what he likes. What do I know?
Let me know what you guys thought of this semi-review of Salt and Sacrifice. Did I ramble a little too, little too much or did I stay on topic? Are you picking up the game? Have you picked it up? And if you, if you have picked up the game, what are your thoughts on it? Because I'd be interested to hear what you liked and disliked about it. What they could have done better to make this a better experience for you. Or if you feel like it is just fine overall and they did a good job. And I'm just being overall nitpicky about this thing. But I thank you all for tuning in. Let us know what we can do to improve the experience. Follow us on our social platforms and we appreciate all the support. Thanks. Enjoy.